Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning. Morning, morning, morning. It is great. Oh, great to be here. Great to join you. Great that you're joined with us over, um, over, the, over YouTube. We're on YouTube, right? We're live on YouTube. If you don't know me, my name's Tom. I know many of you will, but let me introduce myself briefly. I'm Tom. Uh, I'm married to Chloe. I told Chloe I'd give her a wave because she's at home. Hey, Chloe, I love you. And I've got kids. We've got uh, Caleb's here with me and Rocco and Otty are at home as well. I'm part of the leadership team here at Rev. I'm also involved in the church plant into Tottenham. And I'm going to mention Tottenham a few times this morning, so you hear a little about that. Um, and I'm helping, helping lead that and pioneer a church plant into that area of North London. I'm going to start this morning with a question. What do you expect when the people of God are present in town? What do you expect to see, to hear, to experience when the people of God are present in town? What do you expect others to see, to hear, to experience when the people of God are present in town? This is a big question because expectancy shapes our prayers. What, what, we, what we believe for, what we have faith for, what we expect shapes the way we act. Faith and outcome are, are linked. Jesus links them at different points. They're linked in the Bible. That I'm not going to go into exactly how they're linked, partly because I'm not sure I could, partly because we don't have time. But there's a link between our expectancy, our faith, and what we pray, what we do, and what happens. So I'll ask again, what do you expect when God's people are present in town? A a covenant people. That's what this series is that we are spending our time in, that we're closing out today. This is the last one in, in this series of a covenant people, a people sealed by a covenant promise, those bought by the blood of Christ, those sealed by baptism, those with an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in them. What do we expect when those people are present in town? This morning, a bit of a wild story in Acts. Aren't they all wild stories in Acts? Revival in a whole region, a riot in in Ephesus. And these things as a result of the people of God being present in town. So I'll, I'll ask my question again, what do you expect? when God's covenant people are present in town. This morning, my prayer is that God would raise our eyes, that he would impart fresh faith for what to expect when we are present. And I I trust as God raises our eyes and imparts faith, a second question will occur. If we're going to believe for those things, what what is it that's going to bring that about? If we're going to believe for Revival and riots. I'm not quite praying for riots. But that the the world would be shaken by the presence of God's people. We're going to look at this story. It's It's a narrative. It's not instructive, but we're going to draw out from it what we see of a people. And we're going to see a devoted people. And we're going to see a people of power. We're going to see a people devoted to God and a people who expect the power of the Spirit. 
Let me pray before I press on. Father, we love your presence amongst us. Lord, we love your presence amongst us. Lord, we love you. We love your intimacy. We love that you meet with your people. Lord, we ask, would you draw close as we draw close to you this morning? We want to be changed by you, Lord. Amen. So, Acts 19 is where we are. We're looking at the whole chapter. I'm not going to read all of it. I'll read bits of it and I'll fill you in on the rest of the story as we go. So it starts with Paul arriving in Ephesus and Paul encounters a group of disciples. It's not quite clear the nature of their discipleship because as Paul meets them, he finds that they've not received the Spirit, that they've not been baptised in the name of Jesus Probably, because we look back at the chapter before, they're probably those who Apollos has preached to, has, has met with and has, has in some way imparted an element of the gospel too before um, Aquila and Priscilla have filled him in on a bit more. So they're, they're disciples. I just want to pause there because there's something beautiful in simplicity. There's something beautiful in the simplicity of the fact that they're following. They are not marked out by as being knowledgeable. They haven't got it all sewn up. They don't, they don't get it all. They're not marked out as, they're certainly not theologically accurate. And yet it says they're disciples. I, I just want to just push that home. There's something beautiful in following. Simply, simply following. I'm going to start reading from verse four then. And Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Let me just pause there. 12 men in all. Mark that. Small beginnings are not a thing to be despised. Lukewarm beginnings are a thing to be despised. But you will see these are anything but lukewarm disciples. Twelve men simply following, now empowered by the Holy Spirit. We carry on. Verse 8. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Just quick pause there. When it refers to Asia here, it's not speaking of the continent of Asia, it's speaking of the Roman province of Asia, so a quite a large area, about a quarter of what is modern-day Turkey, a whole big region by the coast there with Ephesus at its epicentre. They continue for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Incredible. All the residents of this region... We, we can often read things and sort of impu- like superimpose some of our sort of church culture experience. We can think, so Paul held like big sort of rallies and there were like big posters up on all of the chariot stops all the way through and people were like all coming in and all the, just all the Christians around were inviting a friend or two and they'd come along and then that is not what happened. 
Let's just look again. 12 men. First in a synagogue, later in the Hall of Tyrannus, which we're not quite even sure where that was. It's not there in, in, in what is the remains of Ephesus now. We don't know where it was, but certainly a public space. For more than two years, daily reasoning, persuading, boldly, boldly proclaiming, 12 men, two years, daily witness. How did this happen? How did the gospel spread to such an extent that all of the people in Asia heard it? These people were devoted. Daily, daily devoted to talking about Jesus in a public space. Daily, they met together, daily devoted to one another. These years of community, of believers proclaiming Christ, that's what led to all the residents of Asia hearing the word of the Lord. Over, up in, over, up in Tottenham, um, we're trying to get to grips with this idea of devotion. You know, it's, one, it's, it's such a part of the DNA of who we are at Rev. Devoted, a devoted people. You, you'll have heard that in some of the testimonies, even this morning. These you know, people come in and they're just brought into something which is an act of devotion. We devote ourselves to this. We're trying to get to grips with it in Tottenham and it's, it's looked like us meeting loads on Zoom. We meet all the time on Zoom and, it, and it's looked like our Sunday's looking a bit different. We want to be devoted to reaching people. So we have started meet, meeting in Tottenham Green. Things are going to have to change since recent changes to um, rules and all around COVID and all that. But we wanted to start this church plant with this. We want to meet as much as we can daily. We want to meet in such a way that it's public and we are telling people about Jesus. So we are out on the streets. When we gather on a Sunday, we're on the, in the streets, in the markets. Last Sunday, we were in, on Tottenham Green Market. We meet in the park and preach the gospel in the park, talking to people about Jesus. We're trying to not despise a small beginning, but embrace something which is anything but lukewarm. We don't know what God's planned for us. We haven't seen people saved yet. We are amateurs. But what we're aiming for is to be devoted. What we're aiming for is to give ourselves sacrificially and simply to following Jesus. Let me press on. Verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. What? It's one of those bits you go, what? This is something else. You've got to pause and ask, should it be something else? Should it be so alien to our experience that we have to go, what? I am so challenged by this. Do I expect to see healings? Do I expect to see it? I've been reading a book called Scattered Servants by Alan Scott. And I'm only a little way in, but it just starts with these stories of them just turning up in Belfast and just putting up a sign that says healings. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the faith that leads them just to put up a sign? Because then people are gathering, but the story's in there. I was going to read you one, but I don't think time allows. I would just encourage you to just read and let your, let your eyes be lifted. 
We want to expect this. Would we be bold enough to turn up in the centre of Camden, in Kentish Town, in Holloway, in Tottenham, and put up a sign that says healing? I don't know. You listen, I prayed for someone last week that their kidneys be healed on, in, in, in Tottenham Green Market. I wish I had more of a story. I want more of a story. I want to see it. We prayed, me and, uh, and Jordan, who you'll have met, interviewed a few weeks ago at Rev, we prayed for, for a coffee machine in, a coffee, in an independent coffee, coffee shop because that's what they needed us to pray for. Oh, we want to see things. We want to see God move. Don't we, church? Yes. We want to see it. Let me, let me, um, I'm not going to read on. I'm going, to, I'm going to just unpack a bit of this bit. So then... You've got this incredible outpouring of the power of God. So some um, uh, Jewish exorcists start trying to uh, invoke the name of Jesus and they encounter this spirit and it says to them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognise, but I don't even know who you are. And the evil spirit leaps on them. The man leaps on them and they're masked and overpowered and beaten. All the residents of Ephesus hear about this. Then you've got people who practise magic, burning their books, You've got people just so convicted of darkness and sin that they're, they're burning and renouncing what they were doing and turning. And verse 20 says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. How? Well, God moved powerfully. By his spirit in healings and convicting sin, God moves powerfully. God moves powerfully in healing and convicting sin. We want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see an outpouring of God's presence in our towns today. So I asked, what, what is it that leads to this revival and riots? Hang on, we ain't got to the riots. Pause there. So next bit, uh, Paul plans to leave and then there's this silversmith, Demetrius, and he makes little models, little, little models of a, we think probably an asteroid that like a bit of rock has fallen to earth and is at the centre of the temple of Artemis in Ephesus. He makes little models of it that they sell. It's a big business. The worship at the temple of Artemis is, is central to Ephesus and to the region. Something is replacing that centrality in people's life. So his, his livelihood is at stake and the worship of Artemis is at stake. So he stirs up the other artisans and the people in the city and there's this big riot across Ephesus and they gather in the theatre at Ephesus. Chloe and I on our honeymoon went to Ephesus. Romantic. Yeah. <laughs> we went there. We went to other places. We went there and we stood in this. It's massive, the theatre. It's incredible. Just these tiered seating and they were there for two Hours, if I've got the verse, I can't see it there. They were there for hours chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city has been turned upside down. What causes this reaction that people are so stunned, that people are so amazed by what God is doing, that it transforms the way they act, even if it is to act in opposition to the church? What causes it? We've seen these two things, a people devoted, a move of the spirit. So which is it? The good news is we don't have to choose between those things. 
God's not chosen between those things, but he's interweaved those two things. He's caused those two things to be right at the centre of who we are to be. A devoted people dependent on the Spirit, a mighty God empowering his people. Devotion and power, you could write that as a tagline over the Gospels. That's uh, Christ's example. This is how he lives, devoted to the Father, drawing away, drawing to one side in prayer, devoted to a community. All that time spent in that community with those 12 Devoted to the message, devoted to proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God, devoted to purity without blemish, devoted to the end, to the very end. You could write that as a tagline over the cross, devotion and power. The son devoted to the father, your will and not mine. God devoted to saving people, body broken for us, blood of the covenant poured out for us. And power, the record of our debt nailed to the cross, all rulers and authorities disarmed, put to shame, triumphed over in him. Death defeated, it is finished. Maybe you're with us this morning and you are, you're not a follower. You don't, you don't know this intimate God, this one devoted to you, this one who acted in power on our behalf. And I just encourage you this morning, if that is you, join the Zoom call later. Connect with some people, find out more, connect, join, uh, um, uh, uh, email the church. You'll find that address in the description below, I believe. Yeah, why not? Devotion and power is our inheritance. John 7.36, Jesus says this. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, whoever trusts in me, whoever lays down his own life and follows, simply follows. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is who we're meant to be as a covenant people. Those bound to him, bound together. Those devoted and those in whom the presence of God now dwells by his spirit. That out of our hearts would flow rivers of living water. So let me ask the question again. What do you expect to see as a result of God's people being in town. I don't know if I expect enough, but I want to expect more. Father, cause us to expect more. Cause us to devote ourselves more. Cause us to call out to you for your presence. You might have heard of the Hebrides revival or the the Lewis awakening. And if you have, you've probably heard of someone called Duncan Campbell, um, a preacher who who, who sort of led that and was part of this incredible revival in the Hebrides, which just saw the presence of God just break out. I don't know, maybe though, you won't have heard of Peggy and Christine Smith. These were two, like I think 82 and 81 year old sisters who before Duncan Campbell knew anything about the Hebrides, pray 
multiple nights a week, every week, from 10, from 10 p.m. to 3 in the morning. 80-year-old women who just devote themselves, devote themselves to the kingdom, and then call on the leaders of the church in Hebrews to do the same. And so that in the Hebrides, you've got these prayer meetings going on both in Peggy and Christine Smith's home and in the church in um, Bra- Bar- Bar- Bavos, Bavos, Bavos. They're just praying into the early hours of the morning, praying and praying, devoting themselves. And then the Spirit of God breaks out. You might have heard of the Azusa Street Revival and you'll know if you have of William Seymour and these incredible meetings of tens of thousands of people gathering and encountering the presence of God in a way they'd never encountered it. You might not know that William Seymour spent years preaching the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power of charismatic gifts before he'd experienced it, before, he'd, before anyone around him had experienced it. He saw it in the Word and he believed it and he devoted himself to preaching it, to proclaiming it. Others experienced it he did not at that point experience it. Later on he does devoted to what he sees in the Bible. Here's a question before I finish. Did God need those devoted servants? He doesn't. And yet, that's his plan. A people devoted and his power poured out. C.S. Lewis says this, God seems to do nothing of himself that he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. There's such a beauty in simply following. We may do it slowly and blunderingly, but God, but God works today that God God moves powerfully today in healing, convicting of sin, in bringing people to life. I'm nearly finished. I'm just going to finish with a few questions. I'm not sure what application I can give you because it feels like there's a, so much for me to do, for us to do. But here we go. Here's the first question. How close are you? How close are you following? How devoted to one another are we? How devoted to the word, to prayer, to making disciples are we? How expectant are we of the Holy Spirit to move in our town? Oh, that we'd be like Christine and Peggy Smith. God, stir us to pray, Lord, that we would see you move powerfully in our day because this is how the world gets turned upside down. A devoted people and a powerful God a people devoted to him and him devoted to his people, pouring out his power in our day. Guys, we're going to sing. Why don't you stand where you are? The band are going to come and join me. I'll ask you to consider that as we sing. Why don't we call out together with this song that the power of God would be poured out in our day, in our towns?